You've probably seen by now that there was yet another school shooting yesterday. We have hundreds and hundreds of school shootings in this country. It is consistent. In fact, one of the only good things about the pandemic and the shutdown was that temporarily the United States had no school shootings. And so yesterday we had yet another. And of course, the shooter again had an AR-15. It it appears multiple AR-15s and handguns and blew the doors down and the doors were locked and people were sitting ducks. It could have actually been a lot worse. And today, I want to say some hard things about the reality that I think we're living in. I have very strong views about what I think should happen. I have strong views about what I think will happen. And I'll give you a glimpse into what might be possible. All right, let's just talk about it. I just want to ground our hopes and expectations in some reality today and just continue to to grieve over the reality that gun violence is now the leading cause of death for children in America. It's outrageous. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. I I hate mass shootings. I know. I mean, I hope we all do, but I don't think we all do, actually. I think if other people hated them like many of us hate them, something substantive would be done about them. You know, as a father of five kids, and my kids are all over the place, in elementary school, middle school, high school, and college, all places where school shootings happen. But it's just so outrageous. Like, just yesterday, after this atrocious school shooting at a school in Nashville, Tennessee, um, a pre-K through sixth grade, private Christian school, which is different. Normally these things, you know, people are coming into a large public school with the intention of killing as many people as they can. They almost always have AR-15s, and they did again in this instance. And in a lot of these cases we're seeing, you know, the AR-15s were bought legally, owned legally. They trained and practiced on them legally. In essence, in America, every day, the United States is one of the only countries in the world where this is possible. Everyday people can legally purchase weapons and ammunition meant for war, meant to slaughter large numbers of people quickly. That's what assault rifles are. Automatic or semi-automatic assault rifles. Sometimes they're semi-automatic and then made into automatic with customizations and things you can find on the internet or get at gun shows. And so people are damn near unstoppable. Yesterday with this school shooting, at least three little children were killed. Three staff members were killed. And, you know, just as every school shooting, just senseless. 
And this was one of those cases where the school had every door locked from the outside, had a tremendous security system, uh, alarm system, camera system. I've seen the cameras now from inside the school. And when someone has an AR-15, it is basically impossible to stop that person from entering the building. If they want to completely shoot a door down, they can. And in this case, uh, the person parked outside of the school, there were two sets of doors that were locked that people had to get through, and uh, they just shot right through them. And that's what an AR-15 will do. And police, I think, learning a lot of lessons from Uvalde, uh, where people waited for hours and dozens of kids and staffers were killed uh, in part because of the waiting. Um, police, within 15 minutes of the moment the shooter got there, in less than 15 minutes, police got there, stopped and killed the shooter. And almost immediately, medical attention was being provided uh, people were being escorted out of the school. It reminded me of what happened on planes after 9-11. It would be almost impossible in the entire country from this from 9-11 forward for people that are on the plane to hijack the plane because people will rush you and kill you. Any of us would. And police, in part, seeing the, the catastrophic response from Uvalde responded very quickly, and that may have, you know, minimized the total number of people killed. But tell that to the pastor of the church there. Uh, it was one of his daughters who was killed, and two other little children. Obviously, the kids there, the kids in Nashville, the kids across the country are devastated and traumatized by this. And I'm frustrated because. I, first, like all of you, I'm frustrated because of the loss of life. Outside of countries gripped by civil war, the United States is the only nation in the world where gun violence is the leading cause of death for children. You know, in no other developed nation I just saw is it in the top five. In the United States, it's number one. And in a lot of ways, this place is a war zone. Over 40,000 people a year are shot and killed here. I'm not just talking in school shootings, in all shootings. In some countries, I'm talking about large countries, the number of people shot and killed in the entire country, not just mass shootings and school shootings, period. It's less than five or 10 people. That's how rare and difficult it is to be shot and killed in big parts of the world. Here it's over 40,000. It's just staggering. It's outrageous. And I've had this conversation before. I would say there are probably three very serious substantive problems that make changing the addressing and substantively changing the issue of gun violence very, very difficult. I'll unpack and explain those three things right after the break. We have a quick word from some of our sponsors, and I'm just going to keep it 
all the way real so that you can know what's going on in the rest of the world with this and why it's just why it's so difficult here. I think it's more complicated than we often lead on. I'll be right back. Several of my friends who are from Scotland and from the UK talked about how 26 years ago in Scotland, there was a school shooting and 16 children and staff members were killed. Catastrophic. It it was earth shattering for a country like Scotland. That was not common. It was not regular. It was so earth shattering that after that school shooting in the United Kingdom, such strict gun laws were passed that there has not been another school shooting in 26 years. That's what happens when a country actually has the desire or will to, to get something, something substantive done. We're not there. And I, again, I'm just going to be very frank. I don't intend to offend anyone. I'm just going to try to keep it as honest and real as I can right here. Once conservative white children started being shot and killed in school shootings and nothing was done about it, I knew it was a problem. Once dozens of little white children in multiple school shootings were shot and killed, now in this case at a private Christian school in Nashville, once little white kids with conservative parents started being shot and killed and nothing happened, That spooked me because in this country, and a buddy of mine talked about this online yesterday, there's a very popular tweet from eight years ago now that says, after the United States let Sandy Hook go by, when 20 little kids were killed and did nothing, that was the end of any possibility that there would be substantive change. Once they let that go. And a buddy of mine said, I don't know about that. He said, the truth is, before Sandy Hook, America was already willing and able to allow black children to be killed by gun violence all over the place. Black children have been plagued by gun violence for generations. Before Sandy Hook, before Nashville. And so this nation already allowed gun violence to be out of control. And by the time it hit Sandy Hook, yes. And the nation did nothing after Sandy Hook. Nothing after Uvalde, where little bitty kids are being slaughtered and this country does nothing. It's very telling. And I think there are three or four reasons 
that we have to come to grips with that make gun violence in America very difficult to address. In the United States, we are one of the only countries in the history of the world where people have a constitutional right to own a gun or to own multiple guns, endless guns, endless ammunition. And so in the United States, the origins of this country are deeply violent and embedded in our Constitution is a right to be highly armed. And that makes it, in part, very difficult to address. So it's not just a policy that has to be changed. It's a constitutional amendment that you can own a slew of guns. That's number one. Number two, no country in the history of the world has more guns than the United States has now. We are the only country in the history of the world that has more guns than people. Over 400 million plus guns in circulation and growing rapidly. Guns are as popular as ever. More people own guns in the United States than have ever owned them. And more people own more guns than have ever had them. Like we are in a really bad spot. It's a constitutionally protected right. There are over 400 million guns in circulation. Estimates are that there are over 100 million assault rifles in circulation. I'll talk about that in just a second. And the third is this. There is a very aggressive gun lobby effectively fighting to protect gun rights on the city level, the county level, the state level, and the federal level. They are spending a ton of money, and they're very good at what they do, making sure that nothing happens. And so in this country, we have massive businesses and organizations beyond the NRA. The NRA is still alive and well. It, it appeared that the NRA was on its last leg a few years ago. They are back doing what they do well. But there are other organizations and mega businesses that are working around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not just on the federal level to protect guns and gun rights, but on the city level, on the county level, and on the state level. And they're very, very good at what they're doing. And I, I just don't think we have properly sized up what we're up against. It's not just that conservatives don't have the will to do A or B. In a lot of states, Democrats don't have the will to really do anything substantive about this. They just don't. When Democrats controlled the House, the Senate, and the presidency just last year, they did not have the will to do anything substantive about this. In some states where Democrats control everything, they are, they're not doing anything massive to address this. And in part, it is because 
The Supreme Court is now controlled by conservatives. There is a constitutional amendment. There are over 400 million guns in circulation. And people are spending, people, businesses, and corporations are spending hundreds of millions of dollars making sure that no change happens. I'll close with this thought. It is possible that in our lifetime, we will see another assault weapons ban. This nation has, in relatively recent history, had an assault weapons ban before. But when that ban expired during the Bush administration, since that ban expired, assault weapons are now one of the most popular weapons to purchase and own. So now there are 100 million plus of them in circulation. So even if an assault weapons ban passed, getting those 100 million assault weapons out of circulation would damn near require a civil war. I am a very optimistic person. And I'm not convinced that there is a safe, actual path forward to make serious, deep changes here. Um, again, maybe it can be done on the city level in some places, the county level in some places. But what happens is those changes end up getting overturned by the Supreme Court. That is ultra-conservative and will probably remain ultra-conservative until I'm a very old man. That's what we're up against. And so we've got to continue to fight, continue to push. But this is a very, very bad situation. I mean, that's a gross understatement. School shootings, mass shootings, and gun violence in general. It's a catastrophic public health crisis for America. And the will and the way to change it really aren't there. Love and appreciate all of you. Sorry to have such serious news, but I just need us to talk about it. All right? Please, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, share it, listen to it every day. And if you're not already a member of the North Star, go now to thenorthstar.com, become a member. You can do it for eight bucks. We need your support. That's how we're able to do what we do. God bless you. I'll be right back here tomorrow. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist? Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. 
So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Mom.